Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Do you know how hard it is to make it as an indie band these days? There's so much competition because everyone sounds the same. This is Flop Culture. You are listening to Flop Culture, a podcast where I, Fanula Jones, speak to an esteemed guest about their favourite flop. And I'll bring you up to date on the latest pop culture news. Really hope you enjoyed last week's episode on House of Wax with PJ Kirby. If you haven't listened yet, please do. It's very funny. Not because of me. Because of PJ. He's hilarious. Tickets to our live show, still on sale, Top of the Flops 2023, with some very special guests. We've got Carla Kay, Podrick Wilson-McCarthy, we've got Owen Keane, one for the Suckheads. You can get tickets at whelanslive.ie. It's November 29th and the tickets are 15 good euros. Would love to see you there. We're at flapculture underscore pod on all social media. Please don't forget to rate the podcast wherever you're listening. Helps people find the show. Five stars would be... Stunning. I'd love that. I'd eat it up. Delicious. And we're on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash flop culture. Got some great content coming this month. Uh, myself and Owen have started Fleabag season two. That episode was recorded. Love is Blind nearly finished. Podrick is going to be chatting to me, recapping the season. And we're also going to be looking at all the behind the scenes drama because there's loads. There's a reason why loads of couples didn't make it to the altar. Some of it kind of grim, some of it contestants lying about things. Very interesting. We'll be getting into it as well as some other bonus episodes. So come join us. We'd love to have you. Now that that's all said and done, let's get into the news. Holly Willoughby has left the This Morning building. She told ITV this week that she would not be returning to This Morning after 14 years Announced the news on Instagram. She said, I've let ITV know today that after 14 years, I will not be returning to this morning. To everyone who's ever worked on the show over the years, thank you so much. This is such a difficult goodbye. You are incredible and I forever will be proud of what we've done together. Thank you to everyone at ITV for being supportive. To every guest who has sat on our sofa, thank you. She hasn't been on the show herself since last Thursday uh, after a 36-year-old man was charged with an alleged plot to kidnap and murder the presenter, which is just absolutely insane terrifying experience I've seen people get the tinfoil hats out and be like mm, there must be more to this no one would be charged if this wasn't true it's the only thing I will say I'm very up for getting a tinfoil hat about out about celebrity media stuff like that but I don't think it's applicable here do I think more will come out surrounding herself and Phil and that whole situation her former co-presenter Philip Schofield that all happened earlier this year if you can believe that this feels like the shortest and longest year in the history I absolutely believe there's more to come of that situation, potentially. But just because 
it was potentially being withheld for so long, the information surrounding Philip and stuff like that. But beyond that, I do feel like this was just a call she's made, as she says in her statement, for her family and for her own protection, as you would imagine, like a very terrifying prospect. I don't know what this means for her on Dancing on Ice. That's the other kind of flagship show that she hosts on ITV. Um, ITV bosses have said they're looking forward to working with Albie in the future. Uh, she had a lovely tribute paid to her by Craig Doyle and Rochelle Humes this morning on the Wednesday show. Basically, obviously, agreed she was doing the right thing and celebrating her said it was always fun when she came into work. So yeah, truly end of an era. Not sure who's going to be next. I know they were working on replacing Philip, but now because Holly had become the lead presenter, the priority is shifting to there. I don't know. Craig Doyle seems in with a shout if it's going to be you know, man, woman, because God forbid it was two men, God forbid it was two women. Gender balanced girls, am I right? Anyway, Craig Doyle seems to be kind of leading leading the charge in terms of a potential male presenter. After that, I don't really know. It's not a show that I followed religiously. It's one that I, or at all, to be honest, it's one that I watch via clips on social media and viral moments and stuff like that. But yeah, end of an year all the same. From the end of an era to a start of a new one, Big Brother is back. Did you watch? Please let me know. Flopculture underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. More than 2.5 million people watched these brand new contestants, 16 in total so far, enter the Big Brother house uh, as the show returned to British TV for the first time in five years. And Irish TV, and I'm sure people are watching everywhere else. I watched the launch episode, which was obviously pre-recorded, which I'm going to be honest, I did find strange. But... I think it's hard when you have the electric live shows to compare to. I think there's a lot of other factors at play now. Safety is probably a big one that maybe they're kind of not as willing to acknowledge. I think the word on the street was kind of around preventing production mishaps and wanting to have it kind of as controlled as possible. But I think that came through. I really like AJ Odo. I really like Will Best. Do I think the show needs two presenters? I'm not sure. And I... We'll keep watching and I will let you know if my opinion changes on that. It's not because I think one of them is better than the other. Sometimes I just think it's a bit much, especially in that uh, opening night where they went into the house. The Late in Life companion show, pretty good. I watched the first episode of that with the Vivian, Jordan Stevens and Kimberly Wyatt. And they did the thing of you taking questions from the audience with a big skinny mic. Love to see it. Bop year for the skinny mic girls, am I right? Um, but sometimes I just feel like it can be a bit chaotic. Now, I will say AJ and Will seem to be rotating, hosting duties for that late in life, which makes sense because you couldn't be, it'd probably be very exhausting doing the five days a week when you're probably also having to watch and make notes and do your own research yourself. So far, like Yinran, I think she could potentially win. She seems to have a lot of public backing. I'm recording this obviously in advance of the first eviction. I think Olivia's going to go... I think Livy has not done well in uh, convincing the public to be on her side. I could be wrong about that, though. I'm absolutely open to being wrong about that. Uh, Hallie, I think, is great. I think it's really good to obviously have that representation in a time in the UK when things are so difficult. Um, and I hope she is taken care of within there because it is a difficult situation to be put in. But as I said, I think the response has been largely very positive so far which is great I will say I did find like the immediate speculation around her kind of very frustrating and around her identity and I wonder I don't know maybe I'm wrong about that but I just feel like the immediate speculation in the comments and like people kind of desperate to find out how she identified I found very strange and I do wonder why maybe that wasn't dealt with a bit more in advance but it was obviously because Hallie had made a decision to say it to the housemates when she was in there. I'm not sure. If you have any strong opinions on that, let me know. Did you fall off? Are you totally over it? The reviews, I thought, seemed largely positive. But obviously, I'm in a big reality TV echo chamber as well on my own social media. Um, and everyone seemed to be into it. Everyone likes the how diverse the cast is. And they all seem to be very normal. And stuff like that. But some of the reviews, I know the Times, I think, called it a fossil of the noughties, which, harsh girls, harsh. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Keep me posted. Do you hate it? Do you love it? Still watching? Couldn't be less over it. Let me know. Finally, from one fossil of the noughties to another, let's get into this week's flop. The noughties were an especially difficult decade for women, 
especially those working in media, when they weren't being vilified for usually very normal carry-on, they were being sexualized. And sometimes, for some people, the Venn diagram intersected so that both were happening at the same time. A girl can't win. And neither could this movie when it came to critics or the box office, despite its sharp lines and stellar comedic performances. Joining me to discuss the 2009 movie Jennifer's Body is comedian Fiona Frawley. Fiona Frawley. Yes. Thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture. How are you doing? Oh my God, I'm good. Hi. Hey. Hey. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. You're having a whopper year, a bumper time, a busy gal. So I appreciate you making time for... For me and the, me and the floppies, which is oh. the working title for the listeners of this podcast, which we will come back to. I'm I'm not sure. That's yeah. work in progress. Yeah, no, I'll always make time for a floppy. Like that's high on my priority list. I will. Well, we appreciate it. We appreciate yeah. it so much. Um, talk to me about your pick. Okay, so I chose um, cult classic. Some might say uh, Jennifer's Body. 2009 um, alleged slasher sex film uh, which was um, unappreciated in its time but looking back and as many uh, texts will tell you it's probably because it was marketed as like a sexy movie for guys but the main plot is that every guy dies so it's not too sexy for the men. Uh, but for the women, it's good crack. And it's it's perfect, yeah. yeah. Because as so, you said, every man dies. Unreal. Yeah, which yeah. is just a really important message. The two men <laughs> in the room are now shaking their head. But when you said that it was marketed incorrectly as a movie for boys, they both also nodded their heads. So yeah. we've got two, one thing right, at least, in that uh, section. Like, Did you watch it when it was first released? Or yeah. was it a movie that you came to later? Okay, so then what's your first memory of it? And how does it compare to maybe a more recent watch? Yeah, so I just... I th- I'm pretty sure I saw it in the cinema and I didn't think too much about it at the time in terms of, wow, like this is, you know, genre defining or anything. But I was like, oh, it's good crack. And like then when I saw all these like, res- like Jennifer's body screenings and that like everyone was like, it's a classic and, you know, sound clipping it on TikTok and stuff. I was like, yeah, it was deadly. And I didn't go back and watch it until... We were doing this podcast. So obviously there are some parts that haven't aged too well. Yeah. But yes. I think overall, generally fine. If there yeah. was a scale of like problematicness, but there are some throwaway written lines that kind yeah. of... Uh, there were... They yeah, set the, the teeth uh, on edge. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, the uh button was like pressed many times. But look... <laughs> <laughs> Among Us is perfect. Truly, yeah, truly. I'd never watch this, but I have a very specific memory around the release of it, if you'll allow me to to share. Are you familiar with the soundtrack of this movie? Well, like, not apart from the song. Like, the Yeah, the whole song, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so the soundtrack is, uh, was done by a label called Fueled by Ramen. Okay. Which is like a big pop punk label. Fall Out Boy are signed to it now. Paramore were signed to it at one point. Um, But like, it's a lot of the tracks that you hear in the movie, obviously, so you have like Florence and Machine as well. uh, Little Boots, uh, All Time Low, Cover Starship, Panic the Disco, Paramore. And I am like emo du jour at this point I'm ripe for the picking I'm glad I didn't watch this movie at the time because it would have probably been a canon event for me in a way that it should not have been it would have completely changed my core personality so glad for that Um, (laughs) but I was as I said an emo and was obsessed with Panic! The Disco and at this point they were coming out of like their their second album in which they'd gone a bit more like folky and kind of weird and everyone was like what the fuck is this and then a load of band members left so it just ended up being the two lads so this came out ahead of the movie, obviously, and it was mm. like, this is the soundtrack of the, the year if you're emo or pop punk or whatever. So my parents had brought me on a surfing camp down to Tremor for a week. Love. And I knew this was coming, knew this song was coming out. So I made them let me use the computer in the hotel to listen to the song from Panic! The Disco that was released as part of the soundtrack and it was their first song in between these eras. It's called New Perspective. It plays when Chip is getting ready for prom, I think. Okay. It's okay. the... Woo! 
Oh my god! I'll put in I a clip here in put or out of my life. No, I, I think that was perfect. Perfect. We it was actually. We got it. It was no perfect. Yeah. Um, but I made my parents sit in the. I can remember it so like viscerally. I made my parents like sit in the lobby while I sat at the big desktop computer with my headphones over, like just listening, playing it off their MySpace page. On, just on repeat just press and play and then it'll stop and then I go again in fairness it's an absolute stone cold f- banger it's yeah. a great song but that was my only connection to this movie prior to this week um, I fucking loved it I lo- it's, it's now obviously a kind like because it's lived on so well in popular culture and it's had this kind of reappraisal I knew what happened yeah, kind yeah. of pretty mm-hmm. much bar like the end which we'll get to but for anyone who's not familiar and for has some reason hit play on this podcast mm. what is it about so it's it's basically about this small town hottie um played by Megan Fox and she has the trademark you know insecure best friend and like they need each other uh for you know specific purposes of young womanhood that's very important and so it's about them and they're in a small town trying to catch good vibes wherever they can they go to this club um where this like cool indie band from the city are coming to play and the band are actually satan worshippers and they need to sacrifice a virgin uh for to make a pact with uh, the man himself, Satan. And they, <laughs> Jennifer says she's a virgin because she thinks that it will, oh yeah, well, yeah, anyway, they sacrifice her. She becomes a flesh-eating demon. She's feeding off men in the town, young men, teenage boys. And that's basically it. Uh, Amanda Seyfried's character finds out and is trying to stop her. And it's good crack. It is such good crack. And I'll tell you what, Megan Fox star. Like She's she incredible. Is, she is so good in this role. Plays it so straight. Not a hint of irony about it. Yeah. Like my, I think one of the issues kind of surrounding why it flopped, you touched on the marketing around it, but like it, for people who weren't familiar, like this was like peak, peak Megan Fox, right? So this movie came out in 2009, but she got her breakout as Michaela in Transformers in 2007. And then that trans, the Transformers sequel she's in was also 2009. But this mm. was peak her media before she started doing whatever the fuck she's doing with Machine Gun Kelly, right? <laughs> so people are obsessed with her. But this also, as she's peaking, there's an eclipse because she starts scrapping with the director of Transformers, Michael Bay, and they have like this very kind of public feud over, you know, like there's lots of rumours that she's like a nightmare on set and yeah. everything like that. But she's still kind of like woman du jour for like men of I was about to say of a certain age probably any age right Mm. so they have her as the star and all the marketing goes out and all the posters and she's and I remember the poster so specifically like she's sitting on a desk in like her fucking you know she's in a plaid skirt and like blah 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 looking as Megan Fox does beautiful Mm, mm. but like has like if you were to look at that poster and you knew nothing else if you left Earth for years and only came back now and they this person walked into the room now and said can you explain or I, and I asked them, I was like, can you explain Jennifer's body to me? Just based off this image, they'd be like, high school, high school movie, easy A, something mm, like that. Exactly. I think people thought it was easy A and it's not easy A because it's like, there is a lot of comedy and obviously a lot of it takes place in high school, but it's the blending of the two genres, comedy and horror, that I think had some people being like, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. And just the fact that like, she was such a sex symbol and as you say the poster is her looking so hot and then lads go in to watch it and they're like oh no all the men are getting murdered and not relevant to the plot which I think they're like I hate this representation <laughs> of, of this myself is, this does not being killed for me but it's actually like now that you say that one thing I definitely remember watching it for the first time because I didn't watch like Transformers or any of that uh, respect to everyone who does obviously just not no no respect sorry no uh, <laughs> hey everyone just want to say appreciate you I know I tell you what I watched the third one where they just replaced her with Rosie Hunt and Whiteley okay. and I can't remember anything that happens yeah I, uh, yeah, I don't I, I did just, you know fun fact Optimus Prime is only one of two people who've, who's achieved uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards. Like any time... Optimus Prime and someone else. And just for anyone who's unfamiliar, Optimus Prime is a fictional robot. That's just... Like any time anything from that world gets like... Is like, oh, the most successful... Do you know the way like it's been Barbie and Oppenheimer? Yeah. And like... Uh, 
uh, there was this like look back on other like double features that were that successful yeah. over the years. And whenever it's kind of anything to do with Transformers or Marvel or anything, I'm I just switch off because yeah. I'm just not. And like I get that everyone like a lot of people are on that journey for themselves, but it's just something I've never ever delved into. I think it's because I'm from a uh, like girly. There is a boy in my family, but it was two girls for a long time. We didn't watch anything like that and I'm just like it's just not like part of my world so basically I did not really know anything about Megan Fox other than she was hot and then when I watched this I was like oh my god she's so funny and she's so I like I and I think people have talked about this or people are kind of talking about it when she had her resurgence and kind of came out and was like well like I was essentially black listed by Hollywood mm. and I shouldn't have been and I think there was a lot of conversations around like the parallel universe where she'd actually had this massive high comedy you know like not just being the final girl action girl I'm out here in a tank top running away from things you know what I mean mm, like mm. people have wondered about that career trajectory for her and what was taken from her and then she started going out machine gun Kelly and everyone was like for fo- well, okay, for We've fuck's sake, her. right? That's yeah. it. She's gone again. Fair <laughs> enough. She's just ra- she'd rather be weird with her bleach blonde boyfriend. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Just what a shame. But, what a shame. But now isn't she releasing a poetry book? And it's she gonna, is. So time will tell. We'll see what she has to say. Ty- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or not. <laughs> We could be coming know. back and talking about that oh book. Oh my god! As, please, you're more than welcome. You're we more need than welcome. To. When Instant is that out? I don't know. Okay, we need to. We okay. need to check that. But we, we will revisit that. And so this is the other thing about that time, and this is like my own internalized misogyny, which I think is good to look back on as well. I thought she was guy action hot, mm. and I was like, okay, but then. Not that this is relevant or that this is like in her favour, but I was like, no, she's actually stunning. She's actually like beautiful and not just like, like, you know, that like hotness that is for men, which is hot in itself now. But I was just like, she's so much more than I thought. And I feel like it was a good movie for that, even though, you know, some people like some critics would say it worked against her. I think it opened her up to a new audience. Yeah, which I just don't think anyone has properly capitalised mm. upon. Yeah, I know she did New Girl, but like, did you watch New Girl? Yeah, I did. And her New Girl character, it pissed me off, but it was an, it was Nick of, upsetting me, not her. Okay, but is she not just kind of playing herself? Yeah. In the, yeah. And it's just like, she's Megan Fox. And yeah. like, I mean, Nick is, a, Nick, every line he says is basically like, she's Megan Fox yeah. or whatever her character's name. And like that really upset me in the end because I was like, he just went back to Jess. I I don't like believe the story of him going back. I wanted that to be more epic love story. But I, know, but I think that was, that. I know, and we, my God, we could be here all day. I do think True. that was fandom initiated. Like I think everyone yeah. was like, Nick and Jess are in game. And I, people didn't really did not like yeah. Megan's character. yeah. From what I gather, new girl fans, sound off. Uh, HelloFlatCultureGmail.com. I want to hear your pressing thoughts. <laughs> I mean, they didn't They didn't give her much. Like, she was very uh, one dimension. Like she was, she was just filling it because Zoe Deschanel was on yeah, maternity leave. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, but whatever. Who wouldn't want to end up with her? And then I just think, I know people have mixed feelings about Jess, but I think like ultimately she's like a good friend and she deserves, she's a good person. She deserves better and she probably deserved like to not just be oh yeah you're here and let's and get married thought. now you know but anyway. hashtag justice for Jess um, it, so a lot of the team behind the movie had commented about the like agreed with you on the marketing that it was like completely fucked up I think Diablo Cody who is one of the writers on it mm. also one of the writers on Juno Burlesque Tully she wrote the Madonna biopic that isn't coming out now or maybe <laughs> maybe will maybe won't um, she came out and said that it was basically like that they were just pitching it to teenage boys like it was an all-male marketing team apparently and they just wouldn't like they didn't get it she said yeah. uh, the, to market this to boys who like Megan Fox that's who's going to see it and I was like no this is a movie for girls too that audience they did not attempt to reach Adam Brody said recently he was like very vo- so he plays your the, one of the fellas yeah. in the band also sorry Adam Brody I know he's really evil in this his character but like give him the world I know. Like, oh if he my came god! To me, he was like, "I need 
10,000 euro I'd give to him Stop Adam Brody I do I have it Meester. Not sure But like I would We'd, we'd the, do a GoFundMe I go would 100% yeah For but Adam Brody like, yes. I would fall asleep In that man's eyes You no, know what I mean 100%. Just Beautiful Perfect person I love him Anyway sorry He came out and said He didn't interview The Independent He said Tava receives Now this was talking about uh, Jennifer's body as a whole he said Tava received such tepid reviews and in a way to be a punching bag felt shitty it wasn't my movie so I didn't take the brunt of it but it still felt a little unjust and then he talked about the poster as well he said the film was a marketing person's dream and then to see them do that referencing the film poster mm. uh, part goosebumps part maxim it's not even anything she wears in the movie the film was yeah. directed by a woman starring two women written by that year's screenwriting Oscar winner Diablo Cody and instead they're like let's bury all of that don't tell anyone that this is for people who like Transformers and I think Megan Fox said it's one of her favourite movies she's ever done Amanda Seyfried said the same but I think Megan kind of blamed herself for a while as well for how the movie did, which makes me really sad. That's she is so fucked. Like the shining star in this. Like, oh my god, Seaver is really good as well. Like they're great. They're so act. good together. But like, that's just like, I don't know. That's that makes me so sad about Megan Fox because I guess it's just like maybe when you've like been in Hollywood or whatever so long, you're like, oh, this is the role. This is like who I who I'm perceived as, and like the crowd I attract, and it's it's almost as if like the control is taken away from you. Like the movie is just so far from that. Like as you say, like directed by a woman, written by a woman. Like it's just not. But yeah, like for her to blame herself when all she did was be iconic and eat boys' guts. Like how could you? I feel like you were at fault. I didn't know this, but I was trawling the internet today as well. So the Mm. director, Karen Kusuma, did an interview, I think, with the New York Times in 2016 and also kind of gave an example as to how the marketing department, like, fucked it up so much. She said that one of their marketing ideas was for Megan Fox to do live chats with amateur porn sites. And, like, your one had to beg them to not even mention it to Megan because she'd obviously be like... That's you know, so she's insulting. already going, weathering this kind of public storm thing where it's just like, she's sexy and nothing else. When mm. I read that, it's on the IMDb, I was like, we are we are doomed as a society. Like, we are do- Who, what? <laughs> just classic. Why do any women have imposter syndrome? I'm reading shit like this. You know what I mean? A man in the room was like, what does that have anything to do with the movie? Yeah. Like, it's just so... When I think of other kind of... There's an Instagram account called Velvet... Coke I think on Instagram and they've shared like these iconic kind of marketing campaigns they did for other shows like The Sopranos what they mm. did before the release of Sopranos and like Kill Bill and how they did stuff like blood and posters and stuff I'm not doing it justice go check no, but you- when you look at what they did with that and how they could have done something like so smart with Megan and the premise of the movie <sighs> it's kinda, I love a do-over honestly yeah it's kind of gas you actually have to like laugh a bit just because not only is the movie so the opposite of that, it's like at its core about like making men uncomfortable mm. and murdering them. So it's just like, did anyone watch it on the marketing team and be like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't? It's it's it like it just it kind of makes it better that it it's not like it was, oh, this is a movie that wouldn't suit men because you know it's about a female friendship and there's not too much sex in it and it's really about like the relationship between them it's like no not only is it about that it's actually about like men being uh killed and eaten by women so like I don't know it just kind of makes it even funnier that that's what it's actually about it's not funny but it's just like you it's funny because we're women and because we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the criticisms that comes up about it a lot, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, was this convergence of horror and comedy. Mm. But something other people said was that it kind of wasn't, like, comedic enough or scary enough. Like, it could have gone further with both. Is that something you agree with? Did you find it scary, I suppose? And as a comedian, did you find it funny? I mean, it's not too scary. Like, I thought it was going to be scarier. Yeah. It is, it's certainly gory. Yeah. But it's not, there's very few jump 
real jump scary moments in my opinion. Yeah, but I think like comedy horror like a few of the films I can think of they're not too strong either way. Like say like I don't know this like Orphan or something like that. Like they're a gas premise overall but they might not be a laugh a minute. Mm. And I do think she has some great lines that are pretty funny. Again, obviously like Maybe if it was made today, there would be less uh, slurs, and maybe they'd be Ideally, re- maybe yeah, they'd if be we replaced. Could have that, that would be really. Maybe good. they'd be replaced with jokes, so that could be good. But I do. I there are some funny moments. I wouldn't be like you know, break my whole laugh into mm. it. But like, yeah, yeah, couple of little throwaway quips. Mm. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Who has the worst death, in your opinion? Oh, definitely emo guy. Colin. Poor guy. And I, don't, I think I was, I think I misremembered this because when I was watching him like get ready for his date and stuff I was like oh is there a thing with his like lip ring I thought she like pulled it out or like did something with that but I must have just imagined that in my head but like, I actually sorry as you're saying that I, I misremembered the Panic of the Disco thing as well it's the scene where he's getting ready for the date I think the yeah I was thinking it would be him yeah but because obviously he's like he's emo of course he's listening to Panic of the Disco of course Classic, yeah and I think I felt sorriest for him because he actually seemed like a really sweet guy such a yeah sweetie pie and it seemed like he was going to escape yeah like yeah, it yeah, seemed yeah. like he'd kind of tweaked it and was like but then couldn't that's the other thing that's strange with it like the guys who she murders aren't the biggest dickheads mm. and I th- I don't know if that's a choice or if they just didn't like I don't know because I'm like you could have easily made it feel like such a good revenge and like yeah that's the guy we wanted kind to kill like, the most uh, Promising Young uh, oh woman. yeah 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 or what was the, uh, fucking John Tucker must die yes. like if you get yeah. loads of examples of them being such a prick and th- so I think in that way there wasn't too much um, reward but maybe that's not what they were thinking about maybe they were like look she she doesn't discriminate she's going to kill everyone she's going to kill everyone uh, your man that plays Colin, his name is Kyle Stephen Gallner. And if anyone has watched recently and is looking at him being like, why can I not place you? He was in Smile, if anyone saw that. Oh, the really scary one. Have you seen it? No. Very I, fucking scary. Yeah. Are you generally in horror? No, I am. I am. It's so funny. I was going to watch that last Halloween with my sister. She was over. And we were like, oh no, let's watch um, Halloween 3 okay. instead. And then it turned out she has never watched a horror in her life. Okay. She was terrified by Halloween 3. I don't know if anyone's seen it. It's, it's the least I actually, scary one. I, yeah, I will say that's like a black spot. I have not seen any of the Halloween. They're Sorry, so, they're so good. But yeah. like Halloween 3 is, it's not scary. But she had, she just didn't even understand the concept of a jump scare. Like she was like, she was like, <laughs> what's happening with this music? She was like, no. And I was like, I can't believe we were going to watch Smile. Like she would have been hospitalised. Oh, she would have gone into cardiac arrest at Smile. <laughs> smile is, fuck me. I found that so, and I remember Kian, sorry, not talking about to dry constantly on this podcast. <laughs> Um, he is, isn't that into scary movies and he's, yeah. but he's watched a couple of them with me for flop culture or whatever and I uh, I saw Smile with my gang of friends and he went to see Smile with another friend and he left and was like 
very, very scary, wasn't it? I was like, are you, you're, are you need, <laughs> are you okay? Are, are you okay? I think, <laughs> do we need to call in the psychologist? Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard it's very scary. I do, I need to watch. I would that. recommend. I hope they don't do a sequel, but they definitely will. Cause I oh, think they're they mad for the sequels. They're I mean, where the was sequels. the Jennifer's Body sequel? But that br- it brings me nicely along. What does a Jennifer's Body sequel look like? Because obviously it ends with... Uh, what's her name? Needy. Needy. Really, which terrible name. Like I get it. I like, love it. It's very, do you? I mean, it's very on the nose. Yeah. But it's Anita. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that makes it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there could be more reference to that. So yeah. Because you're like, is this, did someone name their baby Needy? Yeah. I mean, fair. But they are. But like, yeah, I kind Babies of. Babies like, generally a bit needy. <laughs> do you know, you're giving needy. <laughs> I actually kind of love the name. Um, but... Yeah, it's. I wonder, would they really jump on the fact? Like, I mean, you know, the whole kind of critique of it, like as a like Me Too, like how relevant it is after that, and like what happened in the van, and you know, I, I mean, they could potentially ruin it by getting too self-aware with it, which I think it's a it's a matter of time before they reboot it. I think yeah. I don't see a sequel. I don't see a sequel with Needy because like we kind of see how that like no apparently in the re- the original script. So sorry, I'll back up actually. Mm. Uh, Needy ends up killing Jennifer to transport the demon from Jennifer into her right, which oh, is yeah. yeah. So then she ends up being locked into a mental institution, but she manages to escape and like as revenge, she's going to kill the band, Anna Brody's band, low shoulder, like as revenge, and then it will be done or uh, maybe not done, but like she'll enact revenge because obviously she was in love with Jennifer and like friends, yeah. whatever. So we see that in the end. Apparently, in the original script, we actually weren't supposed to see the explicit end of them being killed. It was supposed to be kind of left more open ended. Um, I don't see a sequel, but I could, I actively see them rebooting it like soon. And a part mm. of me, while this movie is not perfect by any means, I need them to not do that. Because no. who, like, on what universe is there another Jennifer that isn't Megan Fox? Yeah, it's too soon. It's it, way it's also, too soon. It's also too soon. But as you were saying it out loud, I was like, I could see them doing it and it being way more on the nose. Because as you've said, it's had this retrospective kind of, Relook at it. Constance Grady talked about it for Vox in 2018, called it a forgotten feminist classic, mm. said the film story of a group of powerful men sacrificing a girl's body on the altar of their for, for their own professional advancement became uncomfortably familiar. Obviously, you're talking about this. This is, again, as the Me Too movement is peaking. The one thing I will say about it is, while it's not, while I do think it could be funnier, there are still a lot of fun with it, and I feel like that could be diluted by a hard reboot, you know, of them being really on the nose and being like, wi- yeah. women and blah, blah. I know. And also... Do I, I sound like a women hater now? I kind of think so, look, but anyway. We're in a safe me. space. Yeah. The internet. Yeah, perfect. You're, you're Nothing just, bad ever happens fine. to women on the internet. You know? But I think there's something that's like so crucial to it is the 2009-ness of it all. Like, I mean... You know, just like the like pathetic indie band, the like very 2009 high school stuff. I just I don't want it to be like Megan, like doing a TikTok dance in her room. Like I kind of want it to stay. Oh, God, and it would definitely be oh, that. You're lit- I think you're literally speaking it into existence. I'm going to be honest. You're, also, right, you're right, actually writing the movie if anyone's looking. <laughs> Please, no. And also like Megan could still play Jennifer. She actually looks younger now. So it's just like, why would we be, like it's not like, you know, in a reboot when they get like the protagonist to like play the mom mm. or like whatever. I'm like, no, she would look younger than the daughter. So just... Don't rush anything and just watch original Jennifer's Body. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, there are bits about it. And I don't know, maybe there's ways it could have gone further. But also, I read one thing and whether it was Diablo Cody or Karen Kusama, who was like, I just wanted to make a movie that was fun Mm. as well. And I'm like, you know, we can obviously analyze it to the cows come home, but it's definitely that. Yeah. It's definitely like you can see why it's always screened again at Halloween and stuff. Like because it is a movie that would like have a group of friends cackling and you don't want to ruin that either. Mm. I'm not saying the feminists will ruin anything because obviously I I identify as part of that group. But look, sometimes we do ruin stuff. Sometimes, unfortunately. Do you know what it was up against uh, in the box office the weekend or the week it was released? Oh no, what? 
Um, because it did, it wasn't a commercial flop. Like it made money. It made, yeah. uh, so it was made for $16 million and then made $31.6 million. But obviously they thought it was going to make me more because you're going off the back of like Megan Fox's name mm. uh, and stuff. It was up against the 3D animated film Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh. Which is a perfect film. I mean, if you've never what, seen it. You want to talk about to? comedy? That's a fucking... I'm saying this without a hint of irony. That is a fucking hilarious movie. Genuinely. It's so funny. Why did everything have to be 3D in that time? Like, we were just Penis, not yeah. free of those 3D glasses. No, this is 2009. We should have sacked that off at that point. You know yeah. what I mean? We're not seeing it, like... We're not seeing anything different here, like... Why do you, like, need a meatball to be hurtling towards you? I actually haven't seen that, to be fair. I... I really actually cannot recommend it strong enough. Okay. So good. What's the plot? I can't really remember. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's like a meteorologist. Or his family are meteorologists. And then so he, or he's an inventor. He wants to be an inventor. But his inventions are really shit. So then he invents something that like fucks up the weather. Oh. And he's falling in love with someone as well. I, it is actually, I need to, actually, do you know what? Hey. I'm going to maybe just retract everything I've just said. I'm no, going to rewatch fine. it and, I've, and I'll come back and amend my statement. But yeah. I remember being genuinely so impressed wow. at the time and thinking it was laugh out loud. Like a laugh a minute. Oh, not a laugh a minute. <laughs> what is that? Do you know this? It's the USB. The Flintstones prefer. Okay, yeah. Luke knows. Okay, we need to I watch was, that. Maybe I was too old at that time. I was probably too old as well. I think it was on like, it was a big, big movie or something. Yeah, and I ended yeah, up watching okay. it and I was like, cinema. Yeah, cinema. <laughs> uh, this was also the time, I think, that kind of cinema was changing a small bit as well. There was a guy who did a big analysis as to why uh, it flopped uh uh, his name is St. Van Aersdale, which is insane. Loads of reasons, like it was he, beyond the marketing. He names the marketing as one thing, but basically it was like a Fox offshoot had it as well, the distributor, and it ended up folding before it was released. But the movie was done, so then it was kind of passed off to someone else. So that was um, a bit of a nightmare. The premiere was in Toronto. People didn't know what day it was being released, mm-hmm. so there was confusion uh, around that. But there was also a lot of hype around, uh, again, now this kind of ties in with the shitty marketing, uh, Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox's like lesbian kiss. Like they oh, were yeah. basically, and we, they've talked about that since where it's like the the close up shots of like their tongues and everything. Megan was just like, I mean, come off it now. Like they were like, we have, we have Megan Fox and we have her shifting another bird. We are going to make, this is going to be a billion dollar movie. Yeah. And then cinema goers were like, no, actually, no. I mean, why did they I'd rather they go do see Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Like, what? <laughs> Look, similar vibes, you know? I don't, as far as I'm aware, I don't think there's a lesbian kiss in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That's what it was missing. That's why truth, I didn't yeah, go Yeah, I would agree. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is Not enough like, representation. It is, I mean, to be fair, I just said, like I, like, I was just saying to myself, why did they do that kiss? But it, like, I think a lot of women do know when you have, like, one of those toxic friendships, mm. like, I do think that's quite a relatable thing and just that whole like power thing and like, you know, like if you're friends with like a more like powerful, more like beautiful, whatever, popular girl, they do kind of breadcrumb you like that a little bit and like when no one's around, they'll be like, oh, I love you so much and like you're my best friend, blah, blah, blah. And maybe they just like represented that with a big dirty shift. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. That's what you're thinking. You know, because she was... Like, she'd always be, like, making fun of her, cutting her down, but then being like, oh, no, I love you. And so then maybe the kid... Like, obviously, I'd say they were like, look, we've got Megan Fox in. We yeah. do a kiss as well. Yeah. And I think it's also, like, obviously, like, Needy is in love with yeah, Jennifer. Of course. But I think... But you're dead right in that that dynamic is so compelling because it yeah. is relatable even amongst all the demon shit. Like, everyone's been in a friendship similar to that maybe yeah. the vibes or the feelings aren't as high or as heightened but more reason why young lads would not give a shit about yeah. this film yeah. I feel like I do not care what's going on between yeah. these two girlies like it's Claire Parker from Celebrity Remember Book Club was on to do Crossroads for the Patreon oh, and she talked about the fact that again it's like but now again Crossroads is not a perfect film by any means but her argument was that it's actually not people don't take those kind of movies seriously because the pro- 
they're predominantly about like female friendship and stuff. Mm. So people dismiss it. Whereas actually they're like very important representation wise in that it's regard. So I think true. this is similar, but it's it's dressed up, it's funny, it's you've got the horror elements. Yeah. I, I do it. I do think the female friendship thing is something it does really well. Mm. Like it's very specific and it's like, ooh, yeah, I, I do know what it's like to be in that. And I think I think they like took their time a bit with that. With maybe some of the other elements, the horror, horror stuff, maybe they were like, eh, let's let's quickly throw this on, not to disrespect the girlies, Diablo and Karen, but I'm like, ooh, they could have gone a bit further with the horror. I think they could have, yeah, I think they could have made the people that got killed a bit more bad. I, yeah. I would have liked that. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's not the point of it. And I think like, because... It's, it's, I think that's something people, like movies and TV have to do. Like, do you know in Bad Sisters? I actually haven't seen that yet. Oh, don't worry about I it. Know, I'm so... I don't watch it. Yeah, no, well then. No, do watch it. But yeah. like, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it another okay, time. Okay, sorry, so I've just ruined your entire point. Okay, perfect. Um, no, I literally thought about that just this second. I didn't come in with that. I wasn't like, this is my defining moment okay. of the film or anything. But um, what else was I saying about it? Yeah, the horror. Yeah, some of some of it, like watching it back this time, I was like, oh, it's a bit like haphazardly thrown together, and like the teacher with the missing hat, like, what's it all about? And I like, think, yeah, I think sometimes it forgets whether or just can't decide whether it's. I think there was definitely a way to play both, and I don't. I don't think it always lands. I think sometimes yeah. they do. I remember, because I was kind of reading a few bits about it before, as I was watching, and there's yeah. some critics talking about how the tone is a bit uneven. Yeah, And I kind of got that from like, obviously I get that if this actually happened, people would be mourning their classmates and stuff. But there was a lot of like lingering on that that felt really dark. Mm. And then the juxtaposition of like, Megan not really giving a fuck because she's inhabited by the demon now. And she's like, lol, peace, whatever. Like... That kind of took me out of it sometimes where yeah. I was like, I don't, how am I supposed to feel about these characters and what's happened? Am I supposed to feel bad or am I supposed to be laughing at Megan and Jennifer, you know? I just had a really horrific vision of in the reboot, Jennifer like doing an Instagram live being like Vanessa Hudgens in the pandemic being like, these people dying in the fire is, <laughs> you know, horrible, but inevitable. Inevitable. <laughs> but I think, yeah, because watching it back, I'd completely forgotten about the fire it was not needed, but then... Yes, again, and I, I I, get it from the perspective of trauma, but a lot of lingering shots of people running out of the bar on actively on fire. And you, yeah. Amanda's character, Needy, talking about how the character smit, like how the people yeah. smelt to her boyfriend. Like, the, it, I don't know. It, and then it's like, this is not what the film's about. Yeah, yeah we're watching people burn. And But I, I saw an interview... I think it was with Diablo Cody or I read it and she was saying that she wanted to capture like how tragedy is dealt with in a small town. And I do think that's really interesting. And like, you know, if if there's someone who's not like making it their whole personality and not like going to the vigil and like holding hands and playing this out. But I don't think maybe they did that enough. I think that is like something really interesting to explore. But yeah, again, maybe they were trying to do too many genres mm. potentially. But um, yeah, that just seemed a bit, there was no, not that there needs to be a payoff, but it, it didn't serve its purpose. Could've it was been, like, yeah. why is it there? Yeah. Why Why was there this fire? She could She could have gone on off in that van, like, any, there didn't need to be a big, like, commotion well, yeah. where people died. Yeah. But look, that's the choice they made. There you go. Do you think Chris Pratt remembers that he's in this movie? I hope not because he when has he no part on screen, in this. I, screen, I shrieked. <laughs> there needs to be a trigger warning for Chris Pratt just appearing Sorry, in movies. They're like comparison between like Adam Brody and Chris Pratt. It's Adam just Brody, like Angel from the Skies, Chris Pratt, n- international nightmare. And like Adam Brody playing the villain as well. I know. I'm like, what? Oh, put a bit of eyeliner on him, and he's not like Seth Ro- or what's his name in the OC. Seth, yeah, anymore, Seth, like as yeah. if, yeah. Uh, but Chris Pratt, no, 
surely not a frightening experience Honestly, I would say he's, I was like I hate I hate every second of this and I guarantee <laughs> you he denies that he's in this I'd oh, say he's, he's on IMDb being like can you take this out of my credits please because like God would not be up oh he's for probably this. burning copies he, of it he, in his wife's church yeah 100%. like he would be like absolutely no it's hilarious I have in all caps in my notes Chris Pratt is in this movie like that fair play to the world for keeping that a secret for me until this week because my God. <gasps> that's just another one of the things about it that's so ahead of its time. That's like, oh, who could have foreseen Chris Pratt playing the, like, doofus? Yeah. You know? I know he was that in Parks and Rec and stuff, but it's just like the Chris Pratt that we know today being in this film and being hoodwinked he by a never, sex demon. Yeah, he would literally never do something this good crack now I know I'm like were these women psychic like they have magical powers yeah. and I think they did I think they did okay ultimately then why do you think it flopped I think it, as we were saying it's the marketing thing like I think in that Vox article it said something about it was meant to be Twilight for teenage boys which is just so mental to me I'm just like did anyone on the team watch this what does that even mean though mm. you know what I mean like that again I, I, I get what they're trying to say that it's like that success and it's like that supernatural element but then it's like You've all these other things going on that don't tie in with that. Exactly. And also like, boys, what a I don't think you, you can't flip it on its head like that because like Twilight is, you know, like a love story that like women have been sold since they're three years old and yeah. can read stories. And he it's just like, happens to be a vampire. Yeah, it's forbidden. He loves you so much, but like he Bad wants boy. to protect you, yeah. but you have to stay away. And I'm like, I don't know how you flip that on its head for boys it's a completely like different uh, like upbringing and culture and that you're trying to cater for mm. I don't know what the opposite of it is but it's certainly not Jennifer's body no and I guess like watching it at the time I definitely didn't know it was a flop but I I obviously didn't watch things with this much um, incredible analysis as I do now but I yeah I'd say it was purely that and there wasn't enough riding um maybe people would have liked to see Megan's boobies um which sadly they did not yeah um I think she should be allowed to keep some things for herself yeah and she should also be allowed to get them out if she wants to and I hope because as we've already established, we are feminists. And just any day now, any day, Megan. And maybe it'll yeah. be in the poetry book. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's just... Maybe it's all a ruse. That's what I'm really hoping. But, yeah, I think, yeah, people, it's not what people thought it was going to be. The poster, the plot, everything. Mm. And, yeah, I guess that's why. And maybe it just wasn't strong enough in terms of like oh there was no like love story there was no well they won't they there was no like payoff for a male hero a man didn't save the day there was no like yeah after all these men getting killed it wasn't a man who comes back and kills the demon it's it was a girl and her best friend I just don't think that was something that would be hugely appreciated at the time but it is in our hearts yeah I think it was like written to always be not appreciated in its time and just to be a cult classic like this. What's your elevator pitch for someone who hasn't watched it? Uh, This this episode essentially, yeah. Well, (laughs) Megan Fox, first of all, and just the very interesting point that all all men should die. It's yeah. just, you know, and uh, that's not what I mean or stand for myself. Don't pander to the men here. <laughs> You're talking to me. Guys, it's two against two. But yeah, I just think like that would all, that would be all I'd need to be sold. Like cheesy slasher-esque, teen slasher movie, an appropriate bit of like, ooh, bit of smut, bit of bit yeah. of skirt lifting up. But mostly, you know, they get you in with that and then it's about much more. But I would um I would trigger warning the like the I think if they were to redo it, I think the the scene where she's getting murdered I would I would trigger warning people. Yeah. Because it's actually it's actually quite distressing. It is it's watching it back yeah. now, I was like, ooh, it's too it was two on the nose. Yeah. So I would give a trigger warning to people. And for the slurs 
Uh, but yeah. overall, get it into you. Yeah. Literally. Fiona, what a pleasure it's been. I can't wait to have you back to review Megan <gasps> Fox's poetry book. Oh my God. Um, but before that, and in the meantime, where can people find you? You're very funny. You tell jokes in lots of places. Thanks. Yes, I do. I do. I'm mostly uh, at Whelan's every Monday for Cherry Comedy. Um, and I would be, I'd be gigging around the place. I share details of that on my Instagram. It's Fiona Frawl. I'm on uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter as well. Also at Fiona Frawl and a TikTok. I throw up the odd video. Fiona Frawl. So stunning. Yeah, that's it. Fiona, what a pleasure to have Thank you on Flap Culture. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Big thank you again to Fiona. I'll leave all of her links below. You need to get to one of her shows ASAP. Make it a priority. She is brilliant. And I can't wait to see what she does next. Jennifer's Body is available to stream now on Disney+. Plus. Finally, girls, it's Top of the Flops. You're a flop. Top of the Flops, to be honest, he just missed out on last week because of my recording schedule. Rishi Sunak, British Prime Minister, made remarks at the Conservative Party conference last week. Sunak told the audience, we shouldn't get bullied into believing that people can be any sex they want to be. They can't. A man is a man and a woman is a woman. That's just common sense. Attendees also heard from the Health Secretary, Steve Barclay, who promised to ban transgender hospital patients in England from being treated in female and male-only wards. I mean, if they're not characteristics of a coward, so far from a true leader, making sure everyone's eyes are looking elsewhere, anywhere else but themselves, pointing fingers at the most vulnerable people, some of the most vulnerable people in society right now, to deflect from the fact the decisions his party is responsible for has led to anti-theft alarms being put on baby formula in shops. No, no, the Tories, Conservative Party, couldn't possibly, possibly, possibly be the problem. The real problem lies in toilets and people wanting to live authentically, accessing basic healthcare. No, no. Like, it's all about having the focus off of them. Smoke screens put up to insist about problems that aren't there. And if they are there, it's the smallest, smallest of decimals. It's just, it begs belief that we've gotten to this where there can be no acknowledgement of failings And instead of owning up and wanting to do best by the people you're serving over, instead, it is about, I will say once again, some of the most vulnerable people in our society under a microscope for, again, just wanting to live authentically, wanting to access basic healthcare, wanting to step outside their front door every day and feel safe and go to work and not have comments made, not have slurs thrown at them, not face violence. Very basic asks that should not have to be asked of any person however you identify Rishi Sunak you are a gee bag and you can say that this is a UK issue it doesn't translate to Ireland or globally but we're seeing it everywhere when these types of people say these kinds of things pandering actively to the far right to the fringes to get them on board because maybe they know they're losing whatever voter base they had because they failed to protect other vulnerable people, they're like, yes, let's bring you guys in and let's get you all pointing fingers with us at these people because how could it be our problem? How could it be something that we've done? No, no, it's the trans people. It's the people who are addicts. It's people who are not the same race as you. Like, it's... It begs belief. It's... We are getting into such a dangerous... And maybe it's not that we're even getting into. I think we're already in it. This very dangerous position and space. And I'm one small girl with one silly, silly podcast. And none of this probably means anything. And I don't know how effective any of this is. But this is just to say trans people are people. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Your identity is valid. You deserve to be loved. You deserve everything everything you deserve everything and I'm so sorry that you continue to be persecuted like this for wanting to be alive to put it as simply as that I'm gonna leave some 
charities and organisations and resources in the show notes below if you're, I don't know, if you want to help, if you have questions, completely fine, I get it. People have questions about these things, but it just comes back. Basic fact of the matter, people want to live, let them live. I need the celebrities to go back and start doing stupid things so I don't have to get on my soapbox at the end of every episode and be cross. I don't want to be cross. Flop culture is not about being cross, usually. Flop culture is about flops and having fun. And with that, flop culture will return next week for another scary-ish installment. You'll probably need a Trenta no foam five-shot half-calf, no foam pumpkin spice latte with no foam at 210 degrees to go along with it. My name is Vanilla Jones. This has been Flap Culture. Editing was done by Adam Shanahan. Until next week, bye-bye. Love ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.